Um, it, it, it almost could sound like a couple of kids on the school ground saying, well, my team's better than yours. You know, my, my idea is better than yours. My, my shoes are better than yours. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Well, it's not because he's our God. It's because the real, actual God has made us his, right? It's not like he suddenly became great because we said, oh, yeah, God's great. No, God has always been great, and he invited us and allowed us to be part of his family, and so now he is our God, and that's why our God is greater. Not because we've just decided that, well, ours is best. It's because he called us and we get to follow that God. That's, that's just uh, one of those things that always goes through my mind as I sing that song. I want to praise God and just say, God, you are great because you are great, not because I had anything to do with it. We're just talking about how amazing our God is. So welcome. I'm glad you're here today as we're thinking about the greatness of God and how that, um, how that works through our lives and the great privilege that we have to, to live our lives with God. Today we have Children's Church, okay? There is no Waterway 25 today, but we have Children's Church. So I'd like to invite the kids who are going to go to Children's Church between four years old and first grade uh, to come forward and like to see you guys. And if any of you folks would like to um, volunteer to help out with Waterway 25 in the future so that we can get that kickstart again. That'd be great. You can talk to Heidi Neff. Where's Heidi at here today? Or maybe she's out already working with some kids stuff. Look up Heidi Neff. And if you can't find Heidi Neff, talk to Debbie Hale. Debbie, you're in the very back running the, the sound booth. If you'd like to talk to Waterway about Waterway 25, talk to Debbie and she'll be able to get you connected as well. How are you guys today? Good. I was kind of talking over your heads, wasn't I, to the big people. I'm sorry, that was very rude. So I apologize. I'm so glad that you're here. You guys look like you are Ready to roll, are you? Yes. yes. All right, well, you know what we do. Before we go to Children's Church, I always like to pray with you. Can we pray together? Put our hands together and bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you, Lord, for all these boys and girls. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless them today and watch over them today as they go to Children's Church. Help their teachers to be excellent, to keep them focused and learning. And I pray that you will bless us here in this room as we think and, and read your Bible together. Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. You can head on out. Do you see Corrine out there? She will take you where you need to go. Or Aaron, you can go that way too. That, that works. That, there's lots of ways to get out of the room, aren't there? Uh, I had someone mention to me this morning, they said, I bet this week didn't go the way that you expected it would, did it? How many of you had a week that went exactly the way that you expected it would? Did anybody? Okay, well, see there, we're all in the same boat, right? We never know what's going to happen, what's going to pop up from day to day. But I'll tell you, this was, this was an interesting thing. On, um, on Wednesday night, I got to speak with the youth group a little bit, and we studied this passage that we're going to study here in just a minute. And then um, there were so many opportunities for so many of us to put this into practice. I, I, wondered, if, um, I, I wondered if there was just something supernatural going on here that, that we didn't plan for. But um, as we look at Matthew 22 today, I want, I want you to be thinking, this is a very... Uh, a very familiar passage for many of you, but I want to continue to challenge you to think about how it is that we take God's word and put it into action in our lives. So um, let, let's be thinking not just about how we've acted in the past or maybe the things that we've been through this week, but I'm excited to think about how can we live and act this morning and this afternoon and tomorrow and even in the rest of our lives. But we're in Matthew 22, 
And, and we're going to start in verse 20 or 34, just a little bit of context. At this point, Jesus has been kind of the, the on the scene Jesus for a while, probably for a couple of years at this point. People know Jesus. He's pretty well famous in his area. Some people love him and some people hate him, but this is not the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's going around talking to different groups, especially a lot of Jewish folks because he's in that part of the world. And, and different people are trying to sort him out, figure out and, and corner him. What does he believe about all of their little perspectives and all of their little ideas about how God works? Who is this Jesus? Is he on our team and can we be on his? And so in Matthew 22, in the verses leading up to verse 34, Jesus is speaking with a group of Jewish folks who were known as the Sadducees. They had their perspectives on how life was going to be and, and what the scripture meant and how God was at work. But the Sadducees argued with Jesus. Jesus' argument was better than theirs, and so they kind of went away with their tail between their legs, so to speak, because they lost that round of the debate. Then, in verse 34 of Matthew 22, it says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were always arguing with each other. They were both groups of Jewish folks who were studying the scriptures, but as you've seen, people who believe the scriptures, even us Christians today, we, we have different ideas about exactly what does it mean and what about this perspective, and so maybe we'd say, well, you know, Jesus silenced the Baptists, so finally now we're going to take our chance. You fill in whatever, whatever group makes sense to you. But the Sadducees have been silenced. The Pharisees got together. That's bold, isn't it? I mean, that takes some courage. That takes some courage to, to stand up and just say, oh, Jesus silenced them. Now I'm going to try. One of them, verse 35, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? in the law. And you'll notice that law is capitalized. It's, it's capitalized in our English because this is a reference back to the law that God gave to Moses, that God delivered to the Jewish people, the law that was to be lived out as perfectly as possible. In fact, God's command was live this out perfectly, but this is the law that all of the Jewish teaching and doctrine and living had been based upon. It's delivered in, in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and, and, and fine-tuned through the Talmud and through the Old Testament an expert in the law. This is not a lawyer. This is a theologian. Expert in the law tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, have ever, any of you ever been asked what you believe about contentious issues? Today, a little bit earlier, a number of us had a Sunday school class upstairs in kind of our conversations class, and the topic was eschatology. Eschatology is the study of the end times, when Jesus comes back and then stuff happens. Eschatology is the science of trying to figure out what is all that stuff? When does it happen? How does it happen? Who does it happen to? So we had a little bit of a discussion. The idea of this class is just, okay, put your ideas out there. What does the scripture say? How do you understand it? How do you read it? The Pharisees, Sadducees would have done the same. How do you understand it? How do you read it? And now they're coming to Jesus and, and you can hear this test, right? Have any of you ever puckered under that kind of a test saying, ooh, don't ask me what I believe about that because I don't know. Or maybe I know what I believe, but I'm not sure what you believe. And so Reuben, you ask me what I think about the law and I'm not, if I tell you what I think, are you going to... Are you going to think that I'm on the same team? Are you going to argue with me? Are you going to give me a high five? How's this going to go? Here is this Pharisee coming to Jesus. Teacher, 
which is the greatest commandment in the law. It is interesting that the Pharisee called him teacher. There's some respect there, right? But it almost feels like a trap. Nonetheless, Jesus replied, verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And so Jesus here isn't coming up with something new. This is stuff that goes back into the Old Testament. Jesus is, is looking at Deuteronomy. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and with all your mind. And that's why Mark says with all your strength, because some of that is, that's Old Testament ideas. Jesus is not making up this new way, but he's simply boiling it down for this Pharisee, this teacher in the law. He says, all of the law, capital L, and all of the prophets, capital P, that's all of those prophets whose names are the titles of Old Testament books. Micah and Amos and on and on and on and Elijah and on and on and on and Daniel and on. All of those prophets and all of the law hang on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so I've titled the sermon today, Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing. Because today I just want to stay basic and talk about this main thing. Do you see how Jesus calls out to this Pharisee? He says, love God. That's the first. That's the first. And if you love God, that will cover over a multitude of temptations. That will cover over a multitude of mistakes because if you are constantly thinking, oh God, I love you, well then you're not going to run after all that other fake stuff. Have any of you ever gotten to this spot in your marriage? I know these are dangerous questions, but I like to ask questions. Have any of you ever gotten to that spot in your marriage where other than your husband or your wife, nobody else of the opposite sex is really that interesting to you anymore. Have you gotten there? I mean, when you're young, this was my experience, I don't know about you, but 16, 17, 18, 19, oh wow, she's cute, oh I like her. What would we like to go on a date with? None of you ever thought that way, but that's how I thought. <laughs> but seriously, I'm in a spot in life where I look at Melanie and I say, Wow, that's my wife, and hey, I love the rest of you, but, uh, but she's for... Have you gotten there? Do you know that kind of love? When you love God that way, so many of these other idols, so many of these other things that, that might pop up start to look like, huh, really? This is why this is the first and greatest thing, because when you love God and when you understand what God has said and, and all the teaching that we have in the Old Testament and the New, all of this understanding about how to live for God, when we love God well and somebody else says, yeah, but what about this? We say, well, that doesn't even, like, why would, huh, why eat a hot dog when I can have a steak? Keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus says the main thing is to love the Lord your God and then Ross helped to unpack it for us with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. These, these make up the totality of our inner pieces, all of our heart. This is not just the muscle that pumps blood. This is, this is kind of the, the, the basis of who we are. It's how we connect to God. It's, it's part of our identity. This is our heart. Love God with all of that. With all your soul, oh, heart and soul, you put these together and the language gets complex, but it, this is your being, 
and with all your mind, with all your thinking, with all your being, with all of your identity, with all of your heart and your soul and your mind, with all of that. Love God with all of that. Not holding any of it back. Not saying, well, you know, I'll give you my heart and my soul, but my mind, I'm giving my mind to... Don't give anything to any other idol. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and your mind. You get it, right? It's not easy to do, but you understand the the call here. And it's not even just a call. Jesus says it's the first and greatest commandment. We're commanded to love. So there there is a big piece of love that is a choice. You can't command somebody to feel something. Chad, be happy right now. I might be able to, you know, Chad, be angry. I might be able to pull that one off. But you can't command those emotions and feelings, can you? But what can you command? Apparently, Jesus says this is a command, love. There is a decision that comes along with this, to love God, to give God, to offer God, to dwell with God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. There is a decision. There is an activeness. There is an awareness that says, I am God's. God is mine. It's the first and greatest commandment. And, and if that was all that Jesus said, it wouldn't be easy for us to do, but it might be nicer for us to practice. The, the challenge is that Jesus then gave a second commandment. He was asked for one. He was asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? But Jesus, not to miss an opportunity, Jesus expanded the thinking and now expanded the ethic of those who would follow after him. He said, that's the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. But now there's a second commandment that is like it. It's not exactly the same, but it's like it. And Jesus says you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is, I think, where life gets to be very difficult for those of us who do follow God. Now, for those of us who don't follow God, for those, for those who have rejected God out of hand, to choose to love God may sound like an impossible kind of thing because of all kinds of hang-ups and roadblocks. For those who are far away from God, just suddenly choosing to love the Lord doesn't seem like a switch that gets to be flipped very often. But for those of us who love God, now there's this second switch to be flipped, this commandment to be followed. And I think for those of us, for those of us who are following God, I say, yeah, I, I love God. I can get on board with that. God is amazing. God is all the good stuff. But my neighbor, do you know my neighbor? Have you met my neighbor? Because that guy's a jerk. This is where it gets hard, right? This is where it gets sticky. This is where it gets difficult because our neighbors have said things to us. Our neighbors have posted things online. Our neighbors have put signs in their yards. Sometimes we get our neighbor's mail by accident and I see who they're subscribing to. Really? Now, my neighbors are great in, in, all, in all actuality. I am blessed with, with people who live right around me who are just a great bunch of neighbors. But Jesus said you're supposed to love them. And in fact, if we would go deep into the definition of neighbor, it's not, it's not just the people who are in our neighborhood. This isn't, a, this isn't a Sesame Street skit. What we're talking about is all of the people who really are part of our lives, the people we rub shoulders with, the people who are in our community. Jesus says, love them as yourself. Now, some of you don't love yourselves very much. And so perhaps you are loving your neighbor the way you love yourself. You're hard on yourself. You give yourself no grace. You give yourself no rest and you give yourself no room to ever make a mistake thinking that you're going to try to live this life perfectly without Jesus. You treat your neighbors that way and you're all miserable. But Jesus says there is this commandment that you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. And then there's a second commandment which really has two things in it. Love your neighbor and love yourself. 
Love yourself. Not the Bieber song. That's a different thing too. What Jesus is saying is you should have a value for yourself because you are created in the image of God. God created you and God loves you. Don't trash yourself because then you're just trashing one of God's creations. There's no room for fake humility. Oh, I'm, I'm not much. No, you're amazing. You're sitting here today and breathing and your heart is pumping without you even thinking about it. You're listening to some guy and God brought you here and gave you a brain to be able to understand and now you can think about it and ruminate on it and go out from here and maybe live a little bit differently. That's amazing stuff. God made you incredibly. Love yourself well, recognizing that you are God's creation. But Jesus here gives... (laughs) He gives boundaries to those of us who love ourselves too much. He says, you're supposed to love your neighbor the same way. Love God with all you have. Love yourself. Love your neighbor. All the prophets, all the law hangs on these two commandments. This week, this week, as you know, on Thursday, there was a, a big fire in Oxford. Almost 100 people lost their homes. And most of those people who lost their homes are not people who have a lot of the resources that we have. A lot of those folks who lost their homes don't have much in the way of savings. They don't have much in the way of connections. They don't have relatives who just have, you know, a pool house that they can go stay in for a couple of weeks until things straighten up. A lot of the folks who have lost their homes have lost everything. It was interesting to me on Thursday morning, right, you know, the fire had been burning all night. People were chased out of their homes 11, 11.30, Wednesday evening into Thursday morning. Thursday morning at about 8 o'clock, I got to the Pensgrove School where, where, um, where those who had been displaced had been set up with a Red Cross base with cots and food and blankets and all that kind of stuff. And there were not many people there. Someone asked the question, where's everybody at? And they said, well, most everybody had to go to work. I mean, if your house, don't imagine this, but if your house burned down over the night, how many of you might call in and say, hey, boss, I'm just not going to make it today. I got a lot of stuff going on and I need to be home. Well, this crowd couldn't. This crowd knew that they couldn't afford tomorrow's lodging if they didn't go work today. These are the kind of folks who lost their place on Thursday night. And so a lot of people, Christians and not Christians, a lot of people worked really hard to help out their neighbors through this weekend. It's a beautiful thing to see come together. Even though it's a tough thing to see happen, It really was a beautiful thing to get to see so many people working together. And this is the extent of it. This is is what was really interesting. I got a call last evening from uh, Phil Harris. He's the the mayor here in Oxford. And he asked me to pass along some information to the ministerium. That's all the pastors and churches in Oxford. He said, maybe you can get this information out to the churches tomorrow, he said, because it's really important. He said, we need people to stop making donations right now because we have too much stuff that can't be used. These are the specifics, and and I'll send you an email here later this afternoon in all your emails so you can see what's going on, but here's what he said. He said, there's two things we need. The Chamber of Commerce in Oxford is kind of the the clearinghouse right now. The Chamber of Commerce has set up a financial donation tool so that for those who want to give finances to be distributed to those who've lost their homes, finances can be given because they need places to live and stay, and that takes money, right? So aid has been set up, and, and the mayor said, please tell people this. But then he also said people could really use gift cards to places like Walmart. There's plenty of food. A lot of people have food. We've seen BBs and Redners and other places show up throughout the week just donating pallets of stuff. 
But the mayor said, we really, people need socks. People need underwear. People need these basic things that were lost. Could you bring, just tell your people to bring Walmart gift cards to the Neighborhood Services Center. Neighborhood Services Center in Oxford. That's a place on 3rd Street with the, with the blue, blue painted porch. You can take Walmart gift cards there and small ones, $10, $20, $40, so that they could just be given out to a family. It's hard to divide a $400 gift card among a number of families in need. This is what the mayor said last night. He said, please tell them not to bring anything else. We can't use anything else. We've got so much stuff and we've got nowhere to store it. He said, once people get into new living situations, and a lot of these folks who have been displaced, they're, they're, being, they're being put up in a hotel right now uh, locally. There's, as you know, there's not a lot of hotels locally, but rooms were found, and there's aid that is helping to pay for those rooms. But once people get into new living situations, then there'll be needs for things like furniture, other housing items, long-term stuff. But the mayor last night said, no one is in a position right now to receive all that stuff, and we're afraid of being overwhelmed. So please just, for people that are hungry to give, tell them to either give cash or a gift card or just be patient. We'll pe- keep people in mind. That's like the extreme of loving your neighbor, right? When those who are collecting the stuff have to say, okay, everybody just stop. That's too much. It's too much. For whatever reason, for whatever reason, this community rallied, at least for the last couple of days. We'll see how it goes. Will people be as passionate about this tomorrow and in a week and in a month? when the needs are probably still going to be there. But at least for a little while, people rallied. And, and even non-Christian folks were loving their neighbors. I saw people taking, taking water and snacks and like big trays of stuff to all the firefighters up and down the street on Thursday morning, just in case they needed something. People I know from Oxford who are not associated with any church, but they were out there. Something led them. See, we are made in the image of God. And so even in the people that are pushing God off and that don't seem to be living a life of faith, there's still that seed in there that, that sometimes sprouts a little bit that says, well, I'm, I'm going to be good to the people around me. And so it's fun to see that seed on. And church, we need to keep watering those seeds. If, if you see people who are not believers, but they're doing good things, encourage them, praise that, thank them for that Pray for those folks so that that little seed of, of generosity that's, that's sparked up in their soul might grow into real faith someday. There are so many opportunities to pray right now. But Jesus says, look, if you want to follow the Lord, love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Think about your neighbor's needs. Think about how valuable your home is to you and think about your neighbor's needs and see if you can help them to have that need met. Think about how nice it is to have a good meal. Think about how nice it is to have choices of which clean clothes will I wear today. Think about your neighbor's and how you can help meet that need for them. This is the kind of thing Jesus is talking about when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. There are so many people who want to give And the mayor says, we just have to keep them on hold. Tell your people, give funds and and give gift cards as they're able. But for all the material stuff, which is really where I know a lot of us kind of get our our charge, just, just pause on that. I've got to tell you, it was really interesting. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but, but I'm going to mention this because I got to see, I got to see servant leadership at work. Um, because I've been around for a long time, I know a lot of people and I have a lot of phone numbers in my phone. So I get to call some people. And, um, 
And I called the Oxford BB store on Thursday morning as we were sorting some things out and said, hey, we could use some water, we could use some breakfast stuff. We've got people here. And they said, whatever you need, send some people over with carts to come get it. We did, and they gave it, and it was pretty neat. But then about, about an hour later, I got a call from Josh Marvin. Josh's father is Butch Marvin. Butch was like the, the, the finance guy with BB's for a long time. BB's Ben Byler, the guy who started the BB stores. BB, Ben is the, the Amish fellow who started it, and he's the founder. Butch Marvin is kind of the business guy that worked together, and they, they grew all of this. Well, Butch's son, Josh, and BB's son, Nate, business owners who are worth who knows how much money. After a call for water, they came down from Quarryville, just the two of them, no helpers. They came down from Quarryville in a truck with a trailer behind, had a pallet of water, a pallet of, <laughs> pallet of apple juice, and a pallet of Gatorade. And it was all cold. Like it was, it was... And these guys came, and they went downtown, and they went to the school, and, the, and, and they, with their hands, helped to unload stuff when they could have been doing other stuff that a business manager would have said would have been much more efficient use of their time. Now, I believe that both of those men are men of faith. And so I I believe that they're acting out this command, but I want to call that out and say, this is the kind of stuff that I think Jesus meant when he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. You're never too big to love your neighbor. You're never too rich to love your neighbor. You're never too blessed or too busy, I don't think, to love your neighbor. Jesus simply says, this is at the core of what we ought to be doing. I got to see that and, and... And Josh and Nate were just two examples of of what I got to see multiplied over and over. Did you get to see some of that this week? Some of you who are are quite local did. And it's a beautiful thing. But, But Jesus says, this is the kind of stuff that has to be the core of our faith, that has to be the core of our ethic. Because frankly, if you love God that much with all of you, And if you will love yourself in a healthy way and love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says that pretty much handles it. I don't need to tell you to go out and deliver water if you're already loving somebody because, well, if you love them and they're thirsty, you give them a drink. I don't need to tell you not to kill your neighbor because if you love them, you're not going to kill them. I don't need to tell you to be generous with your neighbor because if you truly love them, well, you're going to give them a couple bucks when they're in a tough spot and you have a couple bucks to give. Jesus says, this is why these things are so crucial, so key. This is why everything hangs on that. A couple of years ago, we put an addition on the back of our house, and there was just this thing with the way the roof was coming together and the way the basement steps went down that there needed to be a really heavy post at this one spot, kind of in the middle of all of it, just to, to hold up that spot because, you know, it wasn't new construction. It was onto a house that already existed. And so it was interesting to me to watch how our builders designed it, that this footer was right here and this post was right here. And just to kind of watch, I'm not a builder. I don't know how this stuff works. But to watch it happen that that was so key and so crucial. And then, oh, well, we, we can build that into this wall that goes around, and so you never even see it and don't, wouldn't know that it was there. But my house would fall down if that post wasn't there. Everything kind of hangs on that. That had to be right there in place, and it was interesting to watch how the guys measured over and over and over. Do we get it just right? Is it just the right spot? And, and hey, we're at like... What, we're eight years in and it hasn't fallen down yet. So, good job, Clint. <laughs> Sorry, I hope I didn't embarrass you because now if my house does fall down, <laughs> every, 
but call CR construction. They did a great job. <laughs> but there are just these things that are, that are so important, right? These things that are so foundational that everything else seems to kind of build on that. Jesus says, two of those most important things are loving God and loving your neighbor. And so what's the question that we always ask? Why do we bother to study? Why do we bother to do this together? Well, okay, are you living this now? You might as well just write that down in the back of your Bible because this is what I'm intending to ask you after every lesson all the time. Let's learn it, but we're not just learning it for our brains. We want to love God with all of our minds, right? We, we want to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul, all of our mind. We're going to think about God's word. We're going to think about what God calls us to do. But Jesus says, you're not all just supposed to be professors sitting around in a, in a nice room with your leather-bound books talking about what everything means. You're supposed to also love your neighbor as yourself, which means you get out there and you unload a pallet of Gatorade. What are you doing as you think about loving the Lord and loving your neighbor. Every day, every day, are you thinking about how you can grow closer to the Lord, how you can, how you can go, grow closer to God in prayer and in reading the word and in gathering with God's people so that they can stir your mind and push you on into good, godly, and holy action? Are you doing that? Or is your mind consumed with something else? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of that. All of what you are, your very identity, your core, your being, your feelings, your thoughts. Love God with all of that. How do you love your neighbors? Well, look around. See what needs are around you. Maybe you're not right in Oxford. Maybe that's not your world. Maybe you don't care, and that's fine, because we can't care about everything. We can't help everybody. There is some stuff that is outside of our domain, and, and we, can, we can pray for it, but even... Our prayers are limited because we don't have time to pray for all the stuff that we see on the news. But Jesus says, love your neighbor. And so those who are close to you, those who are around you, those who are in your world, is your antenna up for ways to love them? Maybe they need some goods. Maybe they need some cash. Maybe they need some help. Maybe they just need a word. Maybe they need a knock on your door and, and you just go and say, hello, my name's Jesse. We don't know each other, even though we've lived beside each other for a long time. Just wanted to say hi. Maybe that's what your neighbor needs. Maybe your neighbor needs your prayers every day because they've got something going on and there's just nothing else that you can do about it. Maybe your neighbor needs their yard mode because this week they can't. Maybe your neighbor needs you to watch their kids because just for an hour or two, they need to get out of the house. Maybe your neighbor needs you to take better care of your place because you're the ugly one in the neighborhood and you can love them by just not leaving your trash in their backyard. No matter who we are and no matter how we're blessed, all of us can love our neighbors. And all of us can love God. And that's why Jesus says, this is the main thing. Love God because all of you can do it. All of you have an opportunity and all of you should. So church, here's what I want to just challenge us to do. And I know this is a little bit general, but maybe you can think a little bit today over your lunchtime meal about how you can make this specific. A couple things. How do we love our neighbors? Well, I think we can stay ready to help. So that when somebody says, hey, we've got a family that needs a couch. Well, 
we can bring a couch. Somebody says, hey, we need somebody who needs a ride. Well, we can give a ride. Let's stay ready to help. And if the Oxford community and the burned out folks are your concern right now, just stay ready. Save some money so that when the needs come in, you can give. Or maybe give a gift card. Drop it off at Neighborhood Services Center. Make a donation online. Again, we'll get these links out to you here in the next couple of hours. But I hope you'll stay ready so that you can love your neighbors well when the big needs come up. For the short term, pray for folks. If you know somebody who lost something, just give them a call. It doesn't have to be a long call because they've got a lot going on, but maybe just, hey, I love you. I'm thinking about you. I hope you're all right. Maybe you know one of the property owners who are sorting through all the stuff. Just stay out of the way. But give them a quick, hey, brother, hey, sister. Can't imagine what you're going through, but I'm here for you. Do you need anything? That can mean a lot, even if they don't need anything from you. Stay ready. But don't forget what we're doing here at church already as we think about how we love God with all our heart and our soul and our mind. Don't get too casual and don't take for granted the great opportunities that we have to learn together, to study together, to worship together. Because so much of this stuff ties into our loving God well. Don't, don't, just, don't just look at, at your time at Waterway as something to check a box or, or fill a calendar. I hope you recognize that what we're doing here matters because Jesus says if you love God with all your heart and soul and mind, you're, you're really setting yourself up to serve God in all of your life. So we stay ready to help. We keep learning together. We keep worshiping together. Today, we're going to be baptizing two girls who have proclaimed faith in Jesus Christ, and they want to do that publicly. And we remember God, our Father, Jesus, our Savior, and that we are the church, the family of God together. We remember that we're forgiven. We remember that all the things that should be held against us are not. We remember that God treats us like we're Jesus because on the cross, he treated Jesus like he was us. We are part of the family of God. So we remember that and we celebrate that and we welcome more folks and we encourage each other. We love God with our heart and our soul and our mind. We love our neighbors as, self, as ourselves and, and really everything else just falls into line. I wonder if you'll pray with me now as we uh, kind of close this sermon time. Can we pray? Thank you, God, for your word, that, that, we, can, that we can open up the Bible and, and read your words to us. We can wrestle with them and think about them and, and work through them, and, and then, Lord, help us to apply them. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to that Pharisee in a way that it could be remembered and recorded, that we could read it today. Thank you, Jesus, for preserving these words for us for 2,000 years, that we can see that, that you really want us to love God and, and love our neighbors. Holy Spirit, help us now to do this, to live this out, to, to love God with all of our hearts, to love our neighbors with all of our hearts, even the ones who annoy us, even the ones that we have to forgive over and over and over, even the ones that, frankly, we just don't like very much. Lord, help us to love them, really love them. And Lord, help us to have a proper perspective on ourselves, not dismissing ourselves or ignoring ourselves, but loving the fact that you built us and you made us, loving ourselves in a way that is healthy and holy and in balance that says, yes, God has made me and I am his. Lord, help us to love ourselves and our neighbors and love you. Help us, help us, help us. But thank you for today. 
the chance we've had to think about this together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a closing song and then we're going to do...